for a special treat this morning. Um, the person bringing the word to us literally has impacted people around the globe, and actually some of his ministries help other chalk art preachers as well. Um, and so people around the world are being impacted by uh, Mr. Matt Bowman. And so would you guys give a warm welcome uh, to Matt Thank Bowman bringing the word to us this morning. Thank you, Mr. Matt. Thank you. Well, it's good to be here this morning. Thank God the snow stopped. I got the news this week. We were supposed to get another 10 to 12, and I went on 9 and 10 news, and they showed the forecast. And after last week, I put Google Translate 1 to 2 inches because they've been telling us it was coming. But uh, we finally got a little yesterday, didn't we? You might have seen me yesterday with an orange flashing light driving all over the county plowing snow. So it's been an interesting week. I have a table in the back. I thought I would do that this time in case you're interested. Um, I have been doing chalk drawing. I went to my first class in, in uh, June of 1992. And by 93, my family went on the road full time. And I was on the road for 20 years. And then uh, in 2006, the company that made all of our pastels for all the gospel chalk artists in the world, uh, called me and said, we know you're our biggest retailer on the internet and we're not gonna make it anymore and we won't tell you how we did it. It's a trade secret. So we went into uh, negotiations and I bought the inventory and uh, I bought their customers, but they wouldn't sell me a recipe. So for the next seven years, I tried to figure out how to make it. And uh, we bought the inventory and brought that business out of Mexico and brought it to Boyne City. And we had a 53-foot semi-trailer of these pastels that are special. And the chalk artists that are missionaries that use it to spread the gospel didn't know what was going on back home. But after seven years in the lab, we have 71 different patented recipes. And our chalk is at Duke University right now getting its non-toxic certified label. We have 250,000 sticks in inventory and it ships every day. Uh, I went out on a limb and mortgaged my home to be able to buy the business. But God blessed me with the recipes and uh, we made it for the chalk artist. But it is also used in 3D street painting on the sidewalk. That makes up about 90% of our business. And then in October, they ran a special on us on the Ink Masters TV show on the Chalk Grunge. And our chalk was featured there, and it's also going to be in the next two upcoming Avatar movies. Uh, the people that buy it don't realize that the purpose is to spread the gospel and that that is why we do what we do. So we'll have chalk classes in North Carolina where we teach people how to do this in April. You can learn how to do it in four days. So it'll be nice and warm. They have an early spring in North Carolina. So with a young family, I do whatever I have to do to keep the chalk ministry going. But it's an exciting ministry, and it's great to see people using it uh, to spread the gospel. So there's a little table back there, and anybody can do it. I tried to get uh, to learn how to do it and when I was 17, and... Uh, Tried to and failed the class, but I'm here, so knock on wood. So you can do it too. And there, the first course is you, you can do at home by DVD or on the internet. So we'll be back there afterwards. 
So good to be here. I brought somebody with me. And I know some of you are thinking, who did you bring? Grandpa? What is it? It's time for church. Oh, is it a wanna? Well, I don't know. You come and tell me. I'll get you out and you'll see if you think it's a wanna. Is it a wanna? Oh, no. Why not? Oh, these people are old. Yes, they're old. They were probably in a wanna kids club at one time. That was a long time ago. Uh-oh. What? It's Sunday morning. Yeah, what about that? Well, you think they've seen a dummy on Sunday morning before? I don't. Yeah, probably. Oh, man. What? My foot. Your foot's bothering you. So I understand you're here at church. Is this your first time? No, I was here last year. You were? Yeah, and look, they came back. <laughs> yeah, they did. But is everything going well for you? No, Grandma's mad. What, 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 why is she mad? Well, she had chapped lips. She had chapped lips. Why is she mad about that? Well, she has a junk drawer. Well, what does chapped lips in the junk drawer have to do with Grandma being mad? Well, she told me to uh, get her some chapstick for her lips. Yeah, and what happened? Well, I got the tube. Tube of what? Crazy glue. <sighs> She's so mad she didn't talk to me for a week. <sighs> Grandpa, that's terrible. Well, you know, it's good to see you here, but, well, I'd have dressed up if I'd have known. Known what? That you were taking me to church. Well, that's where we usually go on Sunday. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what I did yesterday. Well, I know it's hard to get old, isn't it? Watch it. You're the one that's bald. Yeah, I know I'm bald, but it's okay. I mean, it, it's, it shines like the sun. You know what you're going to look like when you're my age? I don't know. Do you do impressions? Yeah. What kind of impressions? Watch. You're not going to look this good. No, what am I going to look like? Like this. That's not very nice. Can you pull that back? There we go. Is that better? Yeah, you're full of wind. Yes, I know. I'm sorry. So tell me a little bit about yourself uh, being in church and everything. Um, I see you got some new shoes. Where did you get those? Your son Timothy's baby box. You did? Yeah, can you believe you wore those once? Hi, Tim. Thanks for the shoes. Yeah, I see. That's pretty cool. So what, do you, what exactly are you doing? I'm sitting on the podium. Well, I see that. What is what, is what you're doing? Well, it's, what, what is it? I don't know. It's called ventriloquism. What's that? I don't know. Well, ventriloquism is when somebody does the talking and then somebody else moves. It's a dummy. Which one are you? <sighs> I think they can figure that out. Well, how do you learn? Well, the first thing you learn is you learn not to move your mouth. Yeah, my grandma needs that. <laughs> no, Grandma doesn't need to learn to stop talking, though. No. Well, let's try it. Here's what you do. is You take a piece of tape, and you put it over your mouth, and you see if you can keep talking. Nope. Why not? Why, Grandma, would love this. Well, let's try it. Let's put this under your mouth and see if you can talk. How does it work? Well, Grandpa, all you have to do is just keep talking. Just don't move your lips. You can't do it? Are you all right? I couldn't breathe. Why not? You have a nose. It's plugged. 
Okay, sorry. So you try it. I'll try it, okay. What do you want me to do? Put that on your mouth. Okay, I'll try it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See? Doesn't work, does it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do you like it? Grandpa. Grandpa, look, I can take it off. Oh, yeah. Are you better? Yes, I'm better. See, it's hard. Yes, I see that. So tell me, uh, did you have breakfast this morning? Nope. Speaking of that, what? My tummy hurts. Your tummy hurts. Well, that's probably because you didn't have any breakfast. Did you have any dinner last night? No. You didn't have any dinner? No. Well, your tummy hurts because it's empty. Well, I got a question. What's the question? How's your headache? <laughs> Grandpa, I think it's time to go. You're going to get me in lots of trouble. Well, I'm going to tell him your secret first. What's your secret? He still colors and plays with dolls. <sighs> That's terrible, Grandpa. You can't do that. This morning we have our scripture from Acts chapter 20. If you have your Bible, we'll go there this morning. Acts chapter 20. Have you ever noticed that all the different kinds of people in the world, I know you're saying, oh yes, well there's skinny and fat, or there's young and old, or there's, maybe there's happy and sad, there's Christians and there's non-Christians. But actually I want to talk about two people groups today that you will very soon identify with. We live in a world today of two kinds of people. Two kinds of people. And, there, and this morning we're going to talk about those. We're going to Acts chapter 20. Paul here is getting ready to depart. And in Acts chapter 20, he's going through Macedonia and Greece. And he's saying goodbye to everyone. Why is he doing that? Well, because he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem. And he's not sure what's going to happen. And he's getting the opinion that just one of these days, the enemies of the gospel are going to kill him like he used to participate in. So he's beginning to say his goodbyes. And it's taken him a while. In fact, when he is at Troas, something interesting happens. He's preaching away. He's saying goodbye. And Eutychus is up in the window. You might remember the story. And Paul was so long-winded, he fell asleep fell out of the window and died. What a way to end a sermon. I mean, you could fall asleep in church and probably I wouldn't notice. But if you fell out a window and died, come on, Paul, just boil it down a little bit. So he dies. He's raised back from the dead, amazingly. But I don't have that talent. So if you fall asleep today, just bow your heads and pretend you're praying. We'll be good. But Paul gets this guy back up. He comes to life. And now he's calling for the Ephesian elders, and he calls them together in verse 17 of Acts chapter 20. So we'll read this morning, if you'll stand. This will be your last chance to stretch. Last chance to stretch. <clears throat> and uh, so Paul is mentioning this place called Meletus, is the correct spelling. So you see that word there, verse 17, from Meletus. I mean, it's got an I, but it's pronounced Meletus. So I'm going to read that, and you can follow along, and then I'm going to have you read the last uh, scriptures with me, okay? From Meletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you, 
From the first day I came from the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility, with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I go to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I know only that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task to testify of the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare unto you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will rise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for these three years, I have not stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Let's read the last few verses together. Verse 32. Now I commit you to God into the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or, clo or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you, but by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you love a giver. I pray you'd help us to be more of this type of person. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, I was in for a rude awakening when I started this chalk art thing because my dad... Uh, we went on the road and we thought, well, we don't want to charge because Jesus never charged anything. So we bought some chalk and I bought an easel and started doing this, you know, in churches and different places. And by the end of 92, I got to go to Russia and Taiwan and, and all 50 states uh, within the, that first 10 years. And I learned some important things about being in church and working with people. I would go to a church and we wouldn't charge anything, but we'd say, whatever God lays on your heart. So the first church we were at, I watched the offering plate go and, you know, they passed it. So what? Whatever God wants me to have, he's going to prompt somebody to give. And uh, the pastor said, everything that goes in the plate will go to buy chalk for to continue Matt's ministry. Well, you go home and you, you get up and you pack up and you leave and nobody ever says anything or gives anything. It took me a little while to realize that they were stealing the love offering. You say, you've got to be kidding me. And I talked to some missionaries. They said, happens all the time. Just give it to the Lord. And uh, about two weeks went by, and we got a little check in the mail 
from some guy at that church. And he said, brother, God blessed your ministry, and I wanted to give you this donation, but I mailed it to you because I wanted to make sure you got it. So let me know there was a problem there. I learned early on, there's, if I'm going to do this for God, I want to be self-supported. So folks, my ministry now, I have lots of kids. They're my first ministry. Amen? So I can't go and do like I used to. But when I go, I'm self-supported. I work like you do. I work a regular job, sometimes three or four of them, uh, so that I can go out and do what I do. And it's wonderful. Because I believe as much as possible, I like to be able to give. I love to give. If you need something, call me. I'll do my best to help you. But there's two kinds of people in the world. You might say, well, who are those two types? Well, they'd be givers or takers. But in today's modern society, I'm going to say, there's go-getters and deadbeats. That's pretty much it. Go-getters and deadbeats. Some of you came here this morning with a big smile on your face. I'm going to encourage somebody. Maybe you had a death in the family this week, but you're going to smile anyway. We come to church to give and to worship God, don't we? We come to worship God. And people say, well, I can do that at home. Yeah, but there's somebody there that needs your encouragement. And you need somebody's encouragement. And you need to worship God. This is where we're supposed to be. And uh, so that is important to give. When I come into church, there are certain those of you that I enjoy saying good morning to. Because you energize me. And I get a charge out of that. So this morning, I'll ask you to ask yourself this question. Am I a go-getter or a deadbeat? Let's talk about this for a minute. I'm going to pick out a few people this morning that are energy givers. Let's see if you fall into this category. Either past or present, does this describe you? I am a former pastor present, service member, military, firefighter, law enforcement, cook, servers, cleaners, teachers, nurse, medic, doctor, hotel staff, dishwasher, Musician, snowplow driver, road workers, coach, church staff, Awana workers, youth leader, carpenter, builder, mason, seamstress, accountant, landscaper, lawyer, mechanic. Anything that puts you in the serving category, would you stand this morning? Let's see. If you do something to serve other people in your job or your trade, have pastor presence, stand up. Good. Thank you. Give these people a hand. That's 90% of us, 99% of us. And the rest of your sitting were probably had bad knees or bad back from what you did this week. So don't feel bad if you're sitting down. But we're surrounded by serving and we serve a God who gives everything to us. And he wants us to give. We find this in John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave. People who don't give, don't give because they're selfish Maybe they're lazy. Maybe they've lost the joy to serve. But there are some rules in serving. There are some things that we need to know if we're going to be givers. Because there comes a point when you do run out of giveability. And you do run out. When you take the candle and you light both ends and you cut it in the middle and light the center, it lights up the house. But eventually it's going to burn out. So we're going to cover these things this morning. Serving. If you've been in the service industry, you know people can be, and I'm not even going to say the word, but you get it. People can be less than desirable, right? Because people can be demanding. My son uh, clears tables and buses dishes at the barrel back. 
Somebody gave him a $50 bill. You're a fine young man. Thanks for working. He's like, wow. He opened that up, and the guy had taken a 50 and tore uh, three quarters of an inch off the end of it and folded it up to look like a 50. I said, son, get used to it. Sometimes that's what happens. It was just a chunk of a 50. So people will be that way. If you have not served someone at dinner, my goodness, or you don't own your own business, you know how demanding people can be. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, do everything for them and they're mad that you didn't bring the ketchup, right? And then you go to clear the, ta the table and, well, you're just the person that waits on me. And you get it, don't you? How many of you get treated like gold when you're serving? You do? Great. I want to come work for you with where you work. But in general, it's tough. Everybody should own their own business or be in the service industry. Because you find out that customer service stinks, doesn't it? It stinks. Well, this wasn't right, and that's not right. And you're thinking, my goodness, I'm doing this for half what it is market value anyway, and it's never good enough, and it's never right. In my businesses, I get to do things. I'm like, after a while, it's like, but I can't do it. I just can't. I'll go somewhere. I mean, let's, let's see how the best way we can end this. But people are demanding. The reason that we as Christians must be givers is because that's what God wants us to do. And one day, I'm going to stand before God, before him, and I want to make sure that I've used my talents, however little, whatever they are. And we are going to be judged by God by how we treat our fellow man. So let's look at some of the ways that we can, how, let me say, Matt, I don't feel like giving anymore. I get it. I get it. Let's cover some of these things this morning. Um, giving is pleasing God. Anytime you give to someone, Jesus said, it if you give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, you will not lose your reward. Giving is wonderful. Our God is a giver. He gives and gives. And sometimes he gives to people so you can turn around and give it away. And if you keep it, it's like the Israelites in their manna. You get enough for today, tomorrow God will provide. God said don't hoard it. They hoarded it and it molded. Sometimes think, you, if, you, if God gave you a million dollars, you'd probably get a whole new set of friends, your attitude would change, you'd get a different car, and you wouldn't be the same person. But people, you know what's the difference between people who have old money and people who've earned it themselves? They appreciate it more, don't they? You ask yourself, well, who, do I, who should I give to? I enjoyed Pastor Brandt's message a few weeks ago about the Good Samaritan. Wasn't that great? And the people don't often remember what we do. They remember how we made them feel. That was a great one-liner. I'm like, man, I'm going to steal that. That's awesome. So to refer back to that, here are some rules about giving. Who do I give to? Like the man came to Jesus and said, what are the commandments? Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who's my neighbor? When you have to redefine who the neighbor is, you're automatically asking another question instead of facing the fact it's everybody, right? If we love God, we will love our neighbor and we will be automatically giving people. We live in a demanding, self-centered, materialistic society. It's gotten so bad in the country we call the United States that we can't find laborers to go into the service industry. The ones who do want to live off the system they want to show up late, high or drunk, or they have family issues that 
keep them from working a nine-to-five job like their forefathers have for hundreds of years. They have so many issues. When you get in line at McDonald's yesterday, folks, I get it. I went to McDonald's between my son's wrestling match. I ordered a 10-piece nugget. I ordered a second 10-piece nugget. And I ordered six McDoubles. I got through the line, paid my bill, got the bags, went straight to the school, got up in the bleachers, opened my bag. Guess what? 21 hamburgers. 21! And I, and I passed some out to the kids. I'm like, well, they messed this up. And then I realized I got somebody else's order. And I had to wait 15 minutes to get through the line because everybody's slammed. There's no way I can go back. I'm in the bleachers now, and i got a place to be, and i got meetings, and what am I going to do? But I'm patient because I know how hard it is to find good help. How many own a business that can't find good help? Raise your hand. Be honest. If your help's here, don't raise your hand. <laughs> but you know what it's like to find good help, and you have to be patient because everybody's looking for the worker, the go-getter person. Who do I give to? Number one, anyone God brings to your path. Did you know sometimes God puts somebody in your path because he knows he wants you to meet their need? Sometimes he's there. The good Samaritan. The dude was in the road, all right, beside the road bleeding. God showed him to two other people. But, well, I wouldn't want to get that blood on my priestly clothes. He walked by. And the next Joe walked by and he looked, no, no, sorry, I got a place to be. But he put him in the path so somebody could get it. And by the way, when you walk by one of those people, you pass up the eternal rewards and the joy of serving when you walk by. So anyone God puts in your path. Number two, Matthew 5.42 says, give to him that asks you. Sometimes you give because somebody asks you, could you give me a hand on Saturday? I need a hand. Number three, who else should you give to? Someone who doesn't ask, but you noticed, and you see the need. You see it. Number four, sometimes God has you give to people who has the same need as you. Why? Because you understand. Elijah and the widow, he went to her house and said, what are you guys doing? Well, we're serving the last little bit of meal, and we're going to die. They were hungry, but they gave it to the man of God, and God in turn made the made it to never go away. It just kept flowing, the oil and the flour. God meets our needs when we meet someone else's. Because you understand the need, you are best suited to serve it and to meet it. Why is it that the people that have been through death in their families, car accident, tragedies, and great suffering are some of the happiest people we know? And they're the ones that stand back here. The lady in the walker, Give me a handshake. Welcome to Walling Church. Wow, it really makes you think, doesn't it? Who else do I give to? Matthew, 5, Matthew 25, 40 says, Give to the least of these, my brethren. You are never too good to reach to help somebody that's less of a person than you, in your mind. Because we live in America, and we have this. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created. What? Equal. They don't often stay that way, though, do they? Well, I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, I don't really care. You put your shoes on the same way I do. I've had my day in the sun, I mow lawns for a living now, that doesn't make me less of a person than you. 
doesn't make me a lower class citizen. But if you wait on people, you'll find that if you're going to be a servant, you have to learn to be treated like one. Next thing, what do I give? Sometimes it's your time. Sometimes it's your skills, your money, your advice, and your ears, your heart. And whatever God leads you to do, you do it. You say, Matt, how do I learn to give? Well, stop thinking of yourself all the time. Talk to people you don't know and listen to them. People always talk about what's important to them. Don't always talk about yourself. People want to tell you about themselves. Listen. Give up your entitlements. Guys, if you're coming home and you worked, don't expect your wife to do everything for you. Marriages are give and take. If your wife does your laundry for you and has for 40 years, you're a blessed man. Be grateful. But if she's down and sick, don't let it pile up. Do it. We don't have entitlements to health care, free laundry, food with variety, and all of those things, do we? No, we don't. We've become a self-centered society, and our materialism in Boyne City, Charlevoix, and Petoskey is not necessarily good. It's okay to have things, but if it changes who you are as a person, and you don't give anymore, and you don't help at church, and you don't reach for the poor people, shame on you, because your things are more important than helping people, and you're not happy because you stopped giving once you got money. Not good. Jesus was spoke through Paul, and Paul said this, Timothy, warn those that are rich that they be not high-minded and trust in their uncertain riches. It can be gone tomorrow, and you can't take it with you when you die. Just a thought on that. When should you stop giving? You say, Matt, is there a time I shouldn't stop giving? What does the Bible say? Well, Jesus said, if somebody smites you on the cheek, give him the other cheek. If somebody asks you to go a mile, go two. So at the end of every deal you do as a Christian, let it never be said about you, well, he's a Christian, he really took me. No, do a little something extra every time to make someone think, I got a really good deal. That guy was cool. So always give a little extra. When people, who should you give to? When should you stop giving? When people who can help themselves can and won't, and you've created reliance, you need to back away from giving. When you've created reliance and dependence on someone who can make their bed but won't, and you've done it for your child, they need to learn how to make their bed. Don't you think? So when you create reliance, be able to back off. So that's when you stop giving. When else should you stop giving? When you've already walked the second mile. If God doesn't tell you to walk two, three, four miles for this person, all your obligation is to go two, leave it there. When else should you stop giving? The next would be when you're giving so that you can get something. If you're giving something, don't give it if you're doing it so you can get back for yourself. Well, I, I'm going to give to him because he's going to do this, that, and the other. But the Bible says, give and it shall be given to you. God promises to reward the giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Which just brings me to the next point. When should you stop giving? When you can't do it joyfully. If you can't do it joyfully, don't do it because you're losing the eternal reward anyway and God's not happy. Because God's happy when I give when I'm cheerful. God loves a cheerful giver. So if you can't be, here's ways we fall short as a Christian community. You listening? Try not to loan money to other Christians. Right? If somebody has a need, give it to them. They'd be better off to go to the bank. Because you lend it to somebody in church, that can come between you and them. 
And every time you see them go out to eat, buy a new car, put some money in play, hey, 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 that's my money. That guy owes me money. And next thing you know, that becomes a thing. Same with family members. Be very careful about loaning money to each other as Christians, unless you can do it and you don't care. Don't let them know that. But if you can do it and not really care. It's amazing. People give you money, loan. they didn't really care, but boy, they care after a year that you still owe them $40. I can tell you who still owes me money. But I shouldn't have done it. So here's other ways we fall short. I'm a Christian. I'm going to bring my car over to brother so-and-so or this Christian guy because he's a Christian. And it's a Christian business. Don't go there expecting a deal. That's not why you go and work with Christians within the church so you can get a discount. If they do, great. That's not why you do it. You go to a fellow Christian businessman because you're supporting him and you're supporting the church. Not to get something for yourself. Boy, folks, we've messed that up. Let's fix it, all right? Well, so-and-so goes to church, so I'm going to go to him. He'll probably do it for free. No, that's, if he does, great. But don't you expect that. Working together as Christians is wonderful. But you know what? When I, when I come to you wanting something, expecting you to give me something because I'm a Christian, then you're removing the joy away out of it by expecting. It's so much more to say, you know, brother, don't worry about it. Versus them saying, well, I was kind of hoping you'd say that anyway. <laughs> no. So you don't give so that you can just get more out of somebody because they're a Christian. The benefit of doing business as Christians is that you're supporting a brother or sister in Christ. Christians doing business together should be just that, business. Keep it business. Be friends and give them your business and recommend them. It's wonderful, isn't it? That's how it's supposed to work. You say, well, Matt, what do I, who do I give to? Anyone God brings by your path. Who should you give? What do you give? Your time, your money, your skills. You say, how do I learn to give, Matt? Quit thinking of yourself. We are selfish people by nature. Give to other people. Stop giving if it's necessary. God loves a cheerful giver and he promises to bless. You know, at the end of the day, the reason people aren't givers is they really don't care about their fellow man anymore. I mean, you remember when hitchhiking was a thing? I know it's not safe now, but back in the day, that guy needs to get to Potosky. Yeah, I got an extra seat. People actually cared. It's getting to be a little more of a rarity. You know, I make a big deal of it now if somebody does something for me. Because they didn't have to. And it makes me feel good inside. You say, what about, you might say, well, Matt, I'm a great giver. I love to give. Well, you have to learn to receive. Because somebody else wants to be happy in giving to you. Because Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to take. We want to take. God says, you got it backwards. Give and it will be given to you. I bless the giver with joy, peace, excitement, love. And God says, if you love me, you will love your fellow man. And if you love your fellow man, you will help him. God help us for being so selfish. Maybe this could turn your marriage around. Maybe your job at work would be better. I'll be honest with you. I'm tired of hearing about Christianity at the workplace. I'd like to see it. I want to see people as Christians in Wallen Lake and abroad live it and be giving and kind and caring people. Don't treat your employees like a broom. Love them, bless them, 
let them serve you back. And we are accountable to God to give what he's given us. You know, doctors take an oath. If I, if I have somebody there and I can help and I, and I can and I walk on by, that's criminal. If you can save a life, if you can give to someone, God wants you to do it. I've asked my friend, young man, who's here this morning to uh, play for us. And we're going to get the lights. And I'm going to see if I can pull this picture together. But it, it describes God who is the greatest giver. He gives everything and all he asks in return that to give as I have given to you. To love as I have loved you. God's a God who gives just so much to us, doesn't he? He deserves all the praise. Thank you.